uh, I think one of the big things that we're noticing right now is when we have a customer that's coming on board, uh, we have not really done that uh, a great job of making sure that they're actually getting into our customer community. Uh, we're a community company. We've got a really uh, great framework and robust community that we've built for our customers to be successful. Uh, it has access to training and education. It's got access to peer-to-peer collaboration. And then we've got you know our support and knowledge base. And so that's become a critical step for us um, to go back into that process and say, and start making sure uh, how do we reinforce that they're getting into the community? How do we make sure that that um, is happening throughout that kind of implementation and onboarding process? Um, and then once it is, what's, what is happening during that, right? Are we sending emails? Is it automated? Which system is it coming from? But we've really taken a, a hard look at that right now as a big project that we're undergoing is uh, how do we make sure that they're getting into the community? And then how do we make sure we have the right onboarding process of that community so that they know the benefits, they know where to go, they know where they can get value. Um, that's been something that we've had to dig into a lot right now here over the last couple of months. And actually we've got two projects, hopefully, um, ending in about the next week or two of us just kind of revamping what that process looks like. So that's something that we're really focused on right now um, for the onboarding piece. Uh, James, you've got your hand raised. What are some of your thoughts here? Yeah, it looks like in the chat, there's a a very constant theme of onboarding. And that was the theme that we saw in the breakout room with myself, uh, Patricia, Matt and Malik. Um, One of the things that we're doing at Phoenix is we're actually, we're standing up a customer success team. It's a a brand new function. Um, There's myself and three CSMs. We have very few customers and and even fewer uh, processes in place. Um, We have a pretty solid uh, implementation, which is led by our professional services team and a bunch of payments experts, which, you know, they actually... Um, get the customer set up, running, working in production, processing transactions. And then traditionally, once that's live, uh, uh, the CS team would take it over. Before, the CSMs weren't introduced until that point. So we had no idea how anything had gone. It could have been a terrible implementation, but we were completely blind. So the the first thing we started to to do was get involved late pre-sales, be involved at a high level during the implementation. Um, And so now the process that we're launching at the end of this quarter, or hopefully finishing up and wrapping up, is the the customer go-live led by the customer success manager. Um, That's where we kind of track back through everything. Um, And Patricia made a good point on on our breakout room is, we don't want the customer to have to repeat everything that they've been repeating for the entire sales cycle and for their entire onboarding. So we don't just come in and be like, so tell me about why you bought Phoenix. And they're like, I've told 15 different people, James, I don't, why do I need to tell you again? Uh, we, we should know the outcomes that they purchased our tool for. They don't, they don't buy a tool, they buy an outcome that your tool delivers. And we need to discuss how do we deliver that outcome for you? And so that's the kind of the main, the, the so what reason behind our uh, go live meeting. Uh, and a lot of it came, come down to uh, Patricia made some great points about ownership and accountability with every member of that team, with the sales, with the implementation manager, with the CSM, who owns it, who's accountable for it, who's delivering it. And that's awesome. what we're hopefully launching in this quarter. Yeah. One, one question maybe to go uh, a click deeper for you too, James, is um, as you look at, you mentioned kind of getting customer success involved earlier, right? Kind of later right at the end of that sales cycle and kind of right as implementation is going on. Um, so yeah, what, what do you see that, what's the um, responsibility of CS during the implementation cycle then if you're kind of getting introduced earlier, you know, what's the, what's on your plate to make sure that you're focused on that while the customer is kind of going through that process. I'd love to, to know what you guys have, have found there maybe. <clears throat> yeah. So, so at the start we're, we're, we're sort of testing out bringing, so, so I, I run the team and we're testing bringing myself into the conversation as contract is being signed so that we set the expectation of customer success the, the implementation manager and sales engineer have been involved 
uh, even from, from the sort of the demo and the POC period. Um, and then bringing myself in just so that they know like what we're responsible for. It's, again, going back to accountability, uh, we, we put that sort of seed in their brain uh, early on. Um, and then in terms of when we get through to the implementation period, the CSM is very much on in the background of it, but they're there to ensure that things don't slip, right? We have project managers, implementation managers that do a good job, but we are still holding ourselves accountable for the, the relationship, uh, ensuring that the customers, uh, we're not losing sight of why and constantly reminding everyone of why we're here and why we're doing this. Again, otherwise, you, you know, some of our implementations can take up to six months. Once we get to go live, everyone's forgotten about why we did this. What was the original reason and outcome that we bought this thing for? And then you're going live and you're like, crap, what are we, what are we here for? Why are we doing this? Um, and as long as we've been there to keep kind of beating that drum the whole way through, as we get to go live, our success metrics for the year, our EBRs and our renewal is even kind of secured at that point of, of official onboarding, because we know what do we have to do in the next nine months to, to, to lock this renewal up? Yeah, that's great. One thing you mentioned that I've seen recently as well that um, kind of hit home is almost in every email communication as well, reinforcing like what your role is kind of in your, in the footer. I've started noticing, I don't know, there's, there's a team we were working with and what they said, it was like, you know, Jeff Brunsbach implementation lead or project manager, but it also said like, here's what I'm here to help you do like in the journey, which I just found really um, impactful. I mean, it's a small thing, right? It's in the footer. You're hoping somebody reads it, but I think it was just another little anecdote where it was like, Oh, okay. They're reinforcing like why this person's involved, what they're helping me get to like where it is in kind of the, the milestone. So uh, I like your point too, about like, why are we here? What are we all doing? Like, which is, what is the role of responsibility that we're playing? So um, I think that's good. Uh, David, you've got your hand raised. What are some of your thoughts here? Yeah, uh, two thanks. Uh, thanks for getting this going again in February too. Really pre- or, uh, here in March. Really appreciate yeah. that. Uh, awesome. Two quick comments. One to follow on James. The other thing that uh, that we find is really important is that I don't know about everybody else's sales teams, but often, you know, you come out of that sales process and the customer is like really excited in this big honeymoon phase because they've talked about all this vision and everything can happen, and then you get down to the brass tacks of actually doing it, and now all of a sudden it's up to us from success to be like great, let's make sure we mutually align in terms of exactly what's going to happen over the next period of time and how we're going to get there. So kind of getting it down to like those very prescriptive steps that that sort of takes, uh, you know, if you if you don't really kind of ground it, sometimes the sales team can get the customer overly excited and they feel deflated if you don't hit all those like big lofty goals right away, right? So yeah. it's important to have a mutually agreed plan that, uh, that you can agree on with the customer as to exactly what's going to happen by when so that you can check those boxes as you get there. Um, the, the second thing I was going to say too is that um, for us, we, we leveraged experience of other people in the onboarding stage. So, I mean, when we started this uh, a couple of years ago or a year and a half ago, we were sort of trying to invent exactly what that process looked like. And there's tons of great experience either through this community and people like Jeff, or we, we actually worked with um, Nils Vinge. I don't know if I'm saying his last name right. But Nils is a great resource that actually took all of the information that we had, for example, and helped filter it down into, great, here's your prescriptive steps, here's the types of meetings, here's the people that you align to, here's your requirements. And so it took all of that information we had and then leveraged experience of others to say, this is what your process looks like. And so I would highly recommend if you're struggling with like that side of it in terms of, I know there's so much information that we have, how do we like build it into like some sort of process? It's like leverage people in King Grow Retain or leverage other experts that have done this for a long time because they they really helped us a lot. So that would be some suggestions. 
Awesome. You heard it here first. Gain Grow Retain helps out a lot. So got a, we got a customer testimonial or a member testimonial. Uh, but David, I, I love back to your first point too, of just, um, you know, making sure that when you start thinking about the kind of the information and what's happening in that sales cycle, um, I like the the point too of, you know, setting the right expectations from the beginning. The other thing that um, this kind of brought to mind to me too, is that there is, I guess, that opportunity as they're getting in that sales process to um, go through like a lot of validation. And I think that's what James was mentioning, right? Like, hey, we're val- kind of validating what we heard in the sales process. And at the same time, that's that validation process or step is helping us um, kind of build the right plan that, you know, customers want and have. But are there anything, I don't know, is there any other things that come to mind for you, David, about making sure as you're setting expectations or you're setting kind of that timeline with the customer at the beginning, is there anything that comes to mind for you as like aha moments or gotchas that you've kind of found in your career or something that, you know, you can call out there for us? Um, I, I think that probably the biggest thing is that sometimes customers seem to want everything they've heard of, like, you know, all of these different things you could do with our technology and I'm sure everyone's in the same boat. And when you start asking the questions as to why, so why that, how does that impact you? How does it affect the business? How do you measure that? When you start asking those like three or four levels of why you can really get down to those single use cases that really matter. And they can be like, uh, that's what we want to do. And if we can do that, we have value. So it's just, it's taking that, that wide funnel and narrowing it down into like a few key things that you know are achievable and the customer feels really good about that. Yeah. I love that. I was recently um, listening to a podcast or a YouTube video around um, Facebook in their early, I mean, obviously a little different of, uh, of what we're dealing with in terms of scale and a little bit more of a consumer facing app. But uh, they said the one thing that they figured out about how they could make people successful and, and grow on Facebook was the moment that you got to your seventh friend was like the key moment that unlocked something where it said like, once you got to seven friends, like you were there, like you were hooked, you were on. And so what they tr- started to do was optimize everything into getting to seven friends as quickly as possible when you were onboarded on the platform. So if you kind of deconstruct that and you think about signing up for Facebook or any of those platforms now, uh, it kind of changed my mindset a little bit because now you start realizing how everything does really funnel you to like one specific thing that they want you to get done at the very beginning, right? It's like fill out your profile. And then I just remember everything after that was like, hey, do you want to connect your phone number in here because you can find more friends? Hey, do you want to connect your email? You can find more friends. Hey, do you want to see, you know, who's around you locally? You can find more friends, right? So when you start thinking about how they broke it down, it was literally laser focused on that one thing. And I think to your point, David, like, how do you get the customer to answer those three or four kind of levels deeper to figure out the one thing that we know will like move the needle and impact it at the very beginning, knowing that there's going to be a larger plan, like you said, that's being put together that says, hey, we can go achieve all these things, but we need to have singular focus on this first um, before we can go tackle kind of the bigger and next steps. So um, that was just a story I heard recently that I liked that kind of fits on that too. Um, Patricia, you've got your hand up. What are some of your thoughts here? Um, yeah, hi. So uh, I think um, in line with, with what James was saying before, I think that accountability piece, it's not just an internal thing. And they something that I'm trying to drive with clients. Um, and, and the way I put it, not to the client, obviously, but internally, the way I like to look at it is, okay, we already got the PO. It's already, the money has already been spent. So let's try and make the most of this, you know, and, and it's like it's when you start relationships. So we have the honeymoon period and everything's okay. But then if there's not a commitment on both parts, if, you know, both parts say, okay, let's meet there at 6 PM and both parts are there, it's not going to happen. So I think driving that understanding and 
portraying ourselves as someone who is there to help the client navigate something, but is not there to do something for the client. I think that is really, really important. And they really, they empowers your client, but then also they understand that uh-oh, for this to work, I need to do something. And in 12 months time, they cannot come to you and say, well, it's down to you that my figures are not happening and that my users don't know how to use the product. You cannot go and force someone to use a tool or to, you know, to engage with something. Yeah. So I think that is, you know, for me, that is key. And I've noticed that when I started my engagement by identifying stakeholders, putting names to paper, creating a success plan where we break actions and we hold people accountable for it, uh, we end up getting, you know, to our milestones and to our outcomes much quicker. And um, people are then able to carry on uh, planning for, you know, the next success plan, the next outcome, the next milestone that they want to hit. And they get results quicker, we get results quicker, and there is a relationship and there is trust and there is respect because both parties are equals. Yeah. I, lo- I mean, I love your point, right, about getting the buy-in on the on the success plan and on the the approach that we're going to have right over the next 12 months of this relationship, um, similar to what David was going down. I mean, I think the big thing that that has triggered for, for me too is the fact that it's really hard when you start thinking about somebody's role Say we'll we'll talk about your customer, right, Patricia? Your contact over there. They might have multiple projects going on, multiple things happening, and if it's not written down on paper with dates, it's really hard to prioritize and figure out what do I do next? What's the right thing, right? I've got five projects happening. Uh, three of them I might have dates written down for, or like milestones. Two of them I don't. I don't really know what's key, what's in my mind. When's the last time I had a meeting? What do I do next? And so. I think like you said, kind of putting that onus and the ownership to say, hey, we're going to commit to these. We're going to write these down. I actually think it helps you know, your contacts um, a great deal to say, hey, we're, you know, now we're committing to this. Now they can actually have maybe a better way internally to help prioritize certain things. Hey, okay, I need to get this done. Uh, now we can kind of fold other people into this or I can figure out how to make that happen. But I think even putting it down on paper just drives that uh, a lot. Like I've just seen that recently as well. Yeah, and let me just quickly say, so yeah. I had situations where, the, the key stakeholder, so the person answering to the leadership team or, you know, a member of the leadership team is coming to us and saying, why is this not happening? And then when we start breaking it down, say, okay, actually someone on your side did not complete an action, which meant we could not proceed with something. So actually, before we start pointing fingers, let's go back to that success plan. Let's make sure that all the stakeholders understand what what is going on. And again, I think asking yourself, what is the consequence of not doing this? We already made the investment, but is the consequence of our users not using the product? What is going to happen to the business? Yeah. And I think when you start putting things on those, uh, you know, on that perspective, I think you get a much quicker buy-in from the client. Yeah. Great to look at the risk and the downside, right? What's the risk of us not doing these things? Um, and then really, because that also drives accountability because then it's like, you know, who are you going to have to go tell that to, right? Internally, hey, we bought this tool. We're not using it. Or, hey, it's not get, we're not getting as much value. So I like that point. Uh, Awesome. Nathan, you've got your hand raised. Well, I mean, there's not much for me to say. Patricia just nailed it in every aspect. Um, yeah, she actually just wrapped it up really well um, with saying, like, it, it's okay to actually talk to the customer about that that milestone and the consequences and make that really clear. Um, our team just implemented that, not on the customer success side of things, but starting with sales and actually starting with the whole funnel and making sure that we we, we verify what their values are. We value verify what they want to do. And then in the onboarding process, they get reiterated. You know, these are the steps that you have to take in order to accomplish and get this go live date by the right time that that's going to happen. And then right into CS, uh, the CSM role 
it's all streamlined so that we're always talking about the things that are most important to the customer, the things that they said were valuable, and then we're really nailing that piece. And then from there, yeah, growth, expansion, those are easy conversations, right? Because we've proven that we're really focused on what they're focused on so that it's an easy it's an easy next step it's like all right well hey we, we nailed this we completed this this is done now what's next like what are those next maybe top two top three things that you want to focus on let's go ahead and tackle those as well um and we were we've been finding this as pretty successful in uh the smb month-to-month market um just recently we've been kind of rolling this out to that that group of our client base and it's been just hugely successful with actually getting more turned on in actually a shorter period of time because when they see that hey if i do this and i get this done i can get it i can get to the next thing i can get to the next important thing on my list and that helps just streamline the whole process right it's not a it's not us hounding them and trying to figure out like why are they not doing this stuff it's like we agreed to this we agreed to this from day one right that this was the important piece and the consequences of not doing this piece are astronomically bad for you. Um, so let's make sure that we're actually doing that. So yeah, Patricia, you said it wonderfully though. They're like totally nailed it there. <laughs> yeah. I think that, I mean, the big theme I, I just keep hearing too, especially from what James and David, I mean, it's all, it seems to be all coming back to like narrowing your focus. Um, you know, it's, it sounds like, right. The client wants to go do so much every, you know, at the beginning, the world's the oyster. How do we go achieve all these different things? But it really sounds like we can't go do those things unless we have like narrow that focus at the beginning. Uh, and if we can't do that, then, you know, how do we prescriptively try and build those steps in over time? Um, that just reminded me of another consumer app. Uh, I just like to think of experiences. So um, another consumer app I've seen recently is Noom, which is like the uh, weight loss app, which does a good job of holding you accountable. Because at the beginning of you, if you go through the questionnaire, um, I'm probably blanking out right now. But if you go through the questionnaire, there's two or three questions where they're essentially asking you how they how they should hold you accountable like throughout the process and what's more important for you in order to like move forward. Is it like losing weight or is it, you know, looking like a bodybuilder? Is it like all these different questions that you're asking? I forget the real ones. So we'll have to go figure that out. But I think uh, again, it kind of highlights the same thing that you just mentioned, Nathan, where it's like helping the customer narrow focus and say, Hey, we can, we can help go achieve this one thing right now. Like what, what is it that you really want to prioritize? And then how do we, how do you want us to hold you accountable if you don't do those things? Um, I like that example a lot. Uh, James, you've got your hand raised. What are some of your thoughts? Yeah, just to follow on from from what Nathan said there, it's um, we when I joined Phoenix, there's a book that they make everyone read. It's called The Score Takes Care of Itself by Bill Walsh, um, which is the you know if you stop looking at the scoreboard and just focus on your thing, you know that is how we achieve the result that we're looking for. And I think um, I, I read a there was a good blog the other day that was from a CMO kind of lambasting CSMs who just approached their customers, you know, three months before the renewal was do like, Hey, is everything okay? Do you want to renew? And he said, the focus is too much on our success. And, you know, at that point, we shouldn't call ourselves customer success managers because our focus is our success. It's like, you know, we should be, you know, I'm, I'm uh, my, my success manager. And the point was that we got to establish early on uh, as exactly as you said, the very kind of, what is it that you're trying to achieve and what is their success? So if we're looking at Phoenix, it's what are your boarded merchants looking to achieve? Like, what are you trying to achieve as a, as a software vendor? Do you want to retain your customers for 10 years or do you want to have them running all of their transactions through your software or do you want to expand or grow or retain? Like what is, what is it that is your success metric and then track backwards from there? How do we help you achieve those? And Nathan said it, then the upsells, the expansions, the renewals take care of themselves. 
like Bill Walsh says, it's it's taken care of, it's done. And so um, I learned that the, the hard way, getting too focused and caught up on, on my uh, goals. They're like, oh crap, how am I going to get my renewals, my retention uh, number? Uh, Chairman looks really bad. If I took a step back and went back to the, the, the original point and understand what, what is the customer trying to achieve with it, if we help them do that, it should be a no-brainer versus trying to f- come up with all these wacky creative ways to find upsell somewhere from absolutely nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's a good point. Yeah, I love. Uh, I've I've uh, read through that book a little bit here and there, uh, but Bill Walsh, uh, you know, great coach with the 49ers for a long time. Um, back in the 80s, I made that up. Not 80s, 70s, 60s. I think it was. No, 90s. It was 80s. Yeah, it was 80s because it was Montana. Um, hey. Carlos knows. Yeah, it was 80s. Carlos told us <laughs> 80s. Uh, sorry, I was losing my dates there. Um, Josh, you got your hand raised, and uh, you can close us out, and then we'll uh, we'll go from there. But what are your streaming thoughts here? Hey, that, that's a lot of pressure here. But <laughs> but what I did want to do is is um, add to what James is saying, and actually join into the uh, to the concept that I think we're all agreeing with, which is. When James, when you said it, you're talking about going and backtracking within your purview, but one of the things that I think we need to look at as an as a member of an organization, as a company, is that that customer journey begins back all the way with marketing, right? What are we trying to do? And if we can have, if we can influence um, the marketing to say, hey, <clears throat> who is the persona that we're going after? It could be in that person in that industry, but what size of company, what maturity of their own processes. And once we have the, the tighter and more specific, we can know that person, then the marketing messages meet with the sales messages, meet with the deployment and expansion messaging, and the whole thing becomes highly lubricated and we can go through with more efficiency because just like when I was uh, growing um, CloudSploit, one of the things that I talked about was, yeah, big numbers look great, but it's not necessarily about the looks, it's about the books. I can go and make a higher margin um, by going and reducing the number of people that I'm even attempting to go and onboard and expand. I think it's a great, great point, especially about getting back into like the idea of, you know, where does the customer journey actually start and how are we influencing, impacting, uh, how are we making sure that that's all carrying the way through. So awesome. All right. Well, we are at time. So appreciate everybody joining. Um, good to see you all again in CSM office hours. This will be weekly. Uh, James and Jeremy are looking for co-hosts. They're looking for um, help where they can to run these sessions. So if you have any, want to reach out, uh, email me, go on Gingro Tain. You can find Jeremy and James on LinkedIn. There's probably a number of places, but if you want to um, do that, please reach out. But otherwise we'll see you at, we have leadership office hours on Thursday, Thursdays, which James and Jeremy are also helping with. And then um, we'll see you all again next week, but I hope everybody has a good week, good discussion, and we'll see you soon. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.